the Spirit. Thank you for you've anointed me to preach, to teach, and to heal. And we ask that even as we share the word, that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we see the intent of your word for us, and that we are made better through the study of the word in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we've prayed. All right, let's do Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Luke 19, 41. We're continuing our theme or our, our topic that we've been doing for the past two weeks. Sorry. For the last two weeks. And that's talking about peace in, in troubled waters. And we said when we started that the background for this is to deal with strongholds, is to deal with strongholds, is to deal with strongholds against the believer's reception of the gospel. That's the believer receiving the gospel and growing in the gospel. And we made mention when we started uh, that the strongholds are ideologies, seeming ideologies all around, and they do not seem to hurt at, at the beginning. You know, it, it looks good, it looks nice, and over a period of time, you find the destruction that it has caused to the believer and to the dying world that needs the gospel. Praise God. So, Luke chapter 19 from verse 41. I'll read. And now, this is Jesus. And when he was come near, are we reading our Bibles? Please, I want you to look into your Bibles. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. He says, but now they are, they are hid from thine eyes. For three, he says, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round, and keep you on every side. And he says again, and shall lay even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And after this, 45, Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple. And on and on we see uh, his persecution started. And when we started reading this, uh, this, this portion of the Bible two weeks ago, we said that Jesus comes and looks over the city, Jerusalem, and that the meaning of Jerusalem is the city of peace. And somehow, it's a city that has been ridden by war and so many things. Even at that time, they were under the Roman rule. But then the prophetic destiny of this city was peace. It was by their name that at every point in time, in fact, if you needed peace, you run to Jerusalem. And that's the prophetic destiny of the city. However, ideologies and different things have been built up in the minds of the people. And it happens that a people known for peace or a people named after peace will not have peace at all. And then after Jesus wept, the next thing is he goes into the temple. He strikes at the heart of the matter. Now, the situation going on in Jerusalem has its roots from the temple. Because the temple, being God's house, was meant to regulate the economy, was meant to regulate the condition, yeah, the condition of the people, was meant to regulate the condition of the city. And then he comes there, he says, my house is the house of prayer, but you have made it, what? A den of thieves. 
And now that was the issue. Because the city was a religious city. It was a spiritual city. And so whatever was going on in the temple would affect every other life. And then he cast them out and then begins to teach. And so two weeks ago, we began explaining that. Uh, now, the heart he's talking about is the heart of the believer. It says, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And then there's the possibility that they're still buying and selling. Now, what's the buying and selling is that different ideologies have come to push away the gospel that you were designed to live by and to grow by. Praise God. Are we here? Are you understanding me? And so that different ideologies are there, and we began talking last week and the week before. And we said that the problem of the believer with peace, or the problem of the world with peace, is because they've neglected the main message. They've neglected the main thing they were meant to focus on. Firstly, it's prayer. Secondly, it's the word of God. So you're meant to be stayed on the word of God. You're meant to be stayed on prayers to realize or to actualize peace. Praise God. So part of the strongholds we were going to deal with today, um, two weeks, last week and the week before, we were talking about depression. And we said, so I make a disclaimer again, so in case you listen to the last um, two Sundays, that medicine is God's idea. Praise God. Because medicine is meant to maintain and keep life, yes? And we know the, the devil can't have that kind of wisdom. Because a thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And part of the things we said is when people now have issues with depression and anxiety and all of those, that they should seek help. But then the world seems to continue preaching a message that doesn't make anybody seek help. You know, everybody's just talking about it and talking about it and saying, in fact, one time I read something, and that's still part of the deceit. So the person said, um, churches are not doing enough, and that churches should have departments of mental health. Nothing could be more foolish as, as that. Because if we should have department of mental health, maybe we should have department of medicine and surgery, you know? Because that's what people go to school to study. And then they are experts. Because I remember one day I was counseling someone. A person was crying. And before I knew it, I was crying too. Yeah? <laughs> so I'm not an expert. So the next time the person called me, I said, stop. <laughs> don't, don't say anything. You need Jesus. <laughs> now, what the person did was the gospel. The person said, Pastor, are you crying? I said, yes. <laughs> because he needed an expert to take care of you. So medical science is God's idea. And then we have a way to treat it by faith. But however, if you've not grown in the faith, yes, to be able to, to make a full, full claim of your faith, then there's medicine. But then while there's medicine, you begin or you continue to grow in your faith. Praise God. Do you understand that? So we've not said anything against medicine, have we? All right. So now, we talked about depression, anxiety, and then today we'll talk about the stronghold of, of the do you syndrome. You know, just do you. Praise God. Do you. Do, you know, do what you like. Uh, it's not that serious. You know, you've heard that before. Christianity is not that serious. You know, why are they making it hard? <laughs> Praise God. Have you said that before? Stop lying. Have you? So that we just pray for you now. <laughs> you've repented. Praise God. You've, have, have you repented? I'm serious about this. You've, okay. Praise God. All right. 
And then we'll see the evil of that, because now the evil of that is a reprobate mind. And uh, for the past few weeks, we've been saying it, that there's the forgiveness of sins. Yes. But then there are consequences for it. That even when the Lord forgives you, now I'll get to where I'm going, that even when the Lord forgives you, yes, it doesn't stop the things you've done. Praise God. So, for example, someone stole. And he asks for forgiveness. He says, Lord, I'm sorry. Then the Lord forgives him. But he doesn't stop the police from putting that guy in jail. Praise the Lord. So now there's a harm there. Or there's something that has gone wrong. Now, for example, I made an example that's on the watch night of the, of the thief on the cross. And on the last minute, he says, he says, remember me, your kingdom. And Jesus didn't care what he stole, didn't care what happened to him. I says, don't worry. Tonight, with me, you'll be in paradise. But you see, that guy died in his prime. He was a young person. Had a whole life ahead of him. Praise God. But then we'll see the evil of, of the do you the do you syndrome, if you would have it that way. Let's do 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 to 5. And I'll just, yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 3 to 5. I'll read from the Amplified Version. Are we there? It says, For though we walk in the flesh, he says, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. He says, though we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proved and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And he says, and we bring and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. And on the surface level, saying do you can sound all right. You know, just do what you want. Have a free life. It can sound all right because uh, why should people impede on your freedom? I mean, you should be free. God has set you free. So why not be free? But even within the confines of faith, that freedom that people claim can be slavery. Praise God. So if you are free to do anything and you do everything, then you are a slave to everything. Because now you can't control yourself. So everything you just do, whatever comes, you join in the train. So you see that that's slavery. That's not true freedom. True freedom is in you being able to make up your mind and saying, this is what the word says, I will do it. This is what the world is saying, and this is what's in vogue, this is what's popular now, and I won't join. Now that's freedom, because you are able to control yourself. You have that self-control over everything. Praise God. Do you understand me? And so, when we begin to talk about strongholds, on the surface, many things look okay. It's the same way when we're talking about uh, the, the wave of depression. Now, nobody's saying people do not have issues. But while people have issues, then people should go for the solutions. But then there seems to be a wave that just wants people to talk about it. I mean, you just keep talking, you just keep talking, and there's no, there's no solution. 
you know, maybe you, you get sad, and then you have other friends who have gotten sad in that kind of situation, that you go into your room, you lock yourself up, you turn off the lights, you know, and you're just there. And then anybody that says anything on it, about it, then you are triggered. You know, you are, you are angry because someone is trying to get you help. Because someone is saying something that gets you strong. On the surface, it looks like these people are against you. On the surface, it looks like you have help by everyone talking about it. It feels like they're speaking to your issues. But deep down, there's a provision for you in God about peace. And then everyone is telling you, he says, it's not about church. You, you've heard that before. He says, Christians take these things too much. You know, if you have, no, it's about the gospel. It's about you getting true help. And so is the, is the issue of freedom, of, 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 of the do you thing. Everyone is a slave to something. It's either you're a slave to the flesh or a slave unto what? Unto righteousness. Is this the spirit? <laughs> what did the Bible say? Slave to what? It's because I said you. <laughs> At least say something else. Say holiness or... <laughs> I hope people don't copy you. <laughs> All right. So at least you're a slave to something. So, but you have the choice. You, you've got to choose a slave unto righteousness. And then I'll show you in Bible example of that. Because you can't just get up and do everything you like and get everything you want. Let's do Kings, First Kings. First Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. Now that's the story of Ahab. 1 Kings 22. Are we there? All right. Okay, before, before I get there, before, before we talk on 1 Kings 22, um, again, we'll see the importance of discussing many of these things when, when we're young and in this stage of our lives. And you see that many of these issues really affect only people or majorly affects people in this certain stage of their life. Say maybe between 17 and getting to 40, thereabout. And then there's a reason for that. It's because at this stage, your ideologies, um, it's a stage in your life where you're beginning to build ideologies. It's a stage in your life where you're beginning to solidify the things you do for the rest of your life. That's why you don't get into university when you're 10 years old. You know, because your mind is still very fickle and there's not so much that can be done to it. But then you get into your late teens, your early 20s, and that's the stage you begin to think of the things you want to do with your life. I mean, how many of you, when you were 10 years old, maybe you wanted to be Batman? <laughs> Praise God. Who? Chinedu. <laughs> you wanted to be Superman. I mean, you just, you just, you had many things, and then they'll just laugh with you, you know. Oh, it's just being funny. I mean, you see some kids, they wanted to be boggers, you know. Say, what do you want to be? So, <laughs> many things. But you notice, when you're 17, say, what do you want to be? And you say, you want to be Superman. You know, that's the problem. 
But then it's a stage where your ideologies are beginning to solidify. Now, you're beginning to pick things you want to fight for. You're beginning to pick things you want to advocate for. You're seeing things. So the information you're getting from every side begins to make you the kind of person you are. And firstly, if you do not get the gospel, if you do not get the word of God taught to you well at this stage, now it's difficult to get it later on. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it'll be difficult. Because now when you leave that stage of your life, the next stage is a stage to consolidate the things you've learned before, to consolidate on your previous ideologies, or to enter into a panic mood. Praise God. So you find out that, let's say people above their 40s, our parents, now, it's difficult to teach them something new. Praise God. Am I, is that true? I mean, even something as easy as WhatsApp. Say, what's up? <laughs> what up? They, it's, it's WhatsApp. It's, <laughs> you continue, you continue. You know, it's difficult, and it will be the same for everyone. And whether or not you want to learn it consciously or unconsciously, it's just there because you've grown up the past 30 years of your life, the past 40 years of your life, you've been doing the same thing. And then your child just goes to the university and he comes back and says, no, mom, that's not how to do it. What? <laughs> I remember before I came here, you know, I just go to work Monday to Friday and we, we used to preach the gospel. We had a team. We just travel sometimes to go preach the gospel over the weekends. Then we're going to a particular place, um, a particular village. And on the Friday, my mom was telling me, she says, please don't go. Please don't go. And she said, because that place I heard is very terrible, it's very demonic. I said, that's the main reason <laughs> we should go there because of the gospel. You know, yeah, I mean, if it's terrible, then we should go there and show them the light of God. If it's demonic, then we go there and cast out the devils. So when she pleaded and it seemed like the plea wasn't going to work, then she changed it. There's <laughs> something they call a change out for you. <laughs> now that means... There's no explanation for that. But whichever way, it became the age game. It says, when did they give birth to you? <laughs> what, do you what do you know? What have you seen in life? What? You know, it just went on and on. Of course, later on, she got to understand, and she, she apologized. Because we sat down to look at it and said, look, this is the gospel. And yeah, you're preventing me from what I'll be doing for the entire, or for the rest of my life. But now, it was tough for her to understand, because that's not how they were brought up. So at that stage, it's difficult to put something new because it's just the time to consolidate. And then if it's a problem, or if there's a problem, then they're seeking for solutions everywhere. It's not the time to start building. Praise God. That's not the time to start building. He says, he says teach a child or train up a child. And what happens? When he grows up, he will not depart from it. So you begin at a particular stage. And now this is that stage. And that's why you even, in fact, sociologically, or so, yeah, that's, that's why you're in the university at this kind of stage. Now, it'd be more difficult when you're, when you're older, 50-year-old man in class. I mean, he's not doing his PhD or anything. BSc. And he comes late to class, and his lecturer says, stand there. 
<laughs> and his lecturer is about the same age with his son. He can't learn. He'll just be there and say, this is my if I be. <laughs> you know, it's difficult to put any news in. In fact, when you are talking, in fact, sometimes it's even difficult to preach the gospel to older people. Me as a young preacher. So after, after teaching, they now call you. It's a young evangelist. So this, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying those things are bad, yeah? because sometimes you're wrong, yeah, really. Sometimes you're wrong. But then it's difficult to get something new into them. So when situations arise, then there's panic sometimes because they've not built on anything. And now this is a stage where you necessarily do not panic. If something happens, you just pick up your phone, you call your parents. If something happens, you pick up your phone, you call your elder ones, you know, just around. Sometimes you don't even run your own life by yourself. So on Saturday, your parents are calling you and say, go to church tomorrow. <laughs> but when you get to that age, when you leave this stage, in a way, you just meet real life. And it's the things you've built before, the ways or the places you've solidified your convictions in, that will play out. So if you've loved the Lord, and you've built yourself strong in the Lord, then it will be with you. And then the idea of strongholds and casting down arguments is that the devil comes for a generation that is fickle-minded, a generation that is, that is still fresh. Let's get into their hearts. At the same time, the battle is fierce and subtle. You know, It's fierce in the way that ideas are coming in from every side. So almost if you want to wake up and pick advocacy for anything, you can do that. You just get on Twitter. You will see something. You will... Patriarchy, feminism, matriarchy. What else? What else are you people doing these days? Feminism. Feminism. Racism. And you can just have everything. And you see, the, the, the beauty... The, not the beauty. The funny thing is, people spend their time on this and leave the gospel. So you read to the foundations of, of, of all those things. Yeah? And then you trace it, they, they teach you on Twitter to, to trace it to the Bible. And then you get angry with God. Because you say, why was God allowing it? And the peace you were meant to have by studying the word of God, because your relationship with the external world, what, is from the word. And so, if you built your convictions on the word, you'll be able to relate better with these issues outside. But then instead, the stronghold makes you relates with the word from outside. You understand what I'm saying? So, instead of a life that's inside out, you are doing it, what? Outside in. So, you get out, you hear everything, then you come to church, then you blow up. And this is a critical time in your life to learn those. This is a critical time in your life to solidify your convictions on the word of God. And know that life is not about do you. Now back to 1 Kings chapter 22. Are you getting blessed? All right, 1 Kings chapter 22. Is it 1 is it Kings? Now I'm looking for the story of Ahab. I think it's 2nd. 22. Oh, I opened to 2 Kings. All right, are we there? 1 Kings 22. Now, I'll just give us a rundown of the story of this man because, now, it didn't start. Because, uh, now, the ideology at the time 
was uh, in context now, is about kings. The, the, the system, the monarchy. And you know, they, they had anything they just wanted. Whatever you want, because you ruled the entire city, get the wives you wanted, you know, just whatever. Tax the people, get everything. No restraint. However, God still puts his prophets to instruct them. But now, this is the king of Israel. And originally, giving the people or giving Israel a king was someone to lead them in battle and someone to also lead them in the sins of the Lord. So we have an example of David who did that well. But then this is Ahab. And if you study him from the beginning, he had a penchant for that. Anything he wanted, he got, he took. He was just doing him. No restraint. So he wanted someone's land. The guy wouldn't sell it. He goes back home. He cries to his wife. And his wife says, okay, okay, all right, we're just going to get this for you. They kill the guy, take the land off him. You know, just many things. Because he had no restraint. He had that kind of freedom he wanted. And then to the destruction of this man is that if you read from 1 Kings 19, 19, so he went to war, and whenever they went to war, whenever Israel goes to war, and it's an instruction for the Lord to take the city, to take a place that belongs to them. Praise God. And so this guy goes and fights Syria. So he fights Syria, and then the king, in fact, now, this is how it happened. Let me narrate it well now. This is how it happened. The king of Syria one day woke up and said to his servants, go to Israel and tell your king that I own everything he has. See trouble. <laughs> and Ahab says, okay, you own everything. Then he goes again and says, no, go again and tell Ahab. He says, all these things now, my servants will come into his house, ransack his house, and, and just pick it. And he says, okay, now he's confused. Because he calls his elders and says, all right, he said the first. I said, okay. Now he's saying he's just going to come here and make a fool of me. But while they were thinking, a prophet of the Lord comes into the equation and says, all right, go to war, and the Lord will be with you. Now, if you're in, if you're in your shoes, what will you do? You go to war, yes? And do what? You didn't get this story. Someone says, someone says, Erife, says everything you have in your room is mine. Says it first. Maybe you were scared of the person. And I'm like, okay. Then he says, okay, now you bring everything to me. <laughs> I'm not just going to come there and take it. And maybe the person can beat you up, you know. <laughs> so the person says, bring everything to me. Then the prime minister of Hungary says, Arife, <laughs> you have the army. Do what you would. <laughs> you see, deal with the person from generation. <laughs> to the next generation till they are utterly destroyed. <laughs> but then this guy goes to war, enters, you know, beats them up, destroys everything. And then the same king that threatened him, he frees the king and lets the king go. Then three years after, 
when there was peace. And meanwhile, the Lord forgave him because the instruction was to go there and destroy everything. But again, he had no restraint. He just said, ah, well, why do we have to do all that? You know, I've won. You know, I should just say that. It's not that serious. You know, so he goes back and then the Lord forgives him. And remember we talked about forgiveness at the beginning, yes? But then there was an action he was meant to take out. He was meant to kill that entire country, including the king. But then three years later, he wakes up one morning and says, well, why not go to war? When they had peace. No instruction from the Lord. No message from the Lord. Nothing. He just wakes up and says, I like problem. <laughs> says, I, I don't want peace. I don't want peace. He, just problem. So he wakes up that morning and and decides, do you? Whatever you like. The prophets of God are there, so why, why ask them? The church is there, why listen to the message of God? When I can just feel strong on my own. You know, when I can just be okay and... Meanwhile, he sinned against God. After that sin, he sinned again. You know, and after all that... One day he said he repented. And the Lord told Elijah, and said, you see how humble he has become? He says, just leave him. We won't count this against him. And maybe when his son grows up, we'll visit his son with, with his sins. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. And so he wakes up that morning and, and decides to go fight. Now, that's a generation, or that's a person, again, who has a penchant for forgetting everything he desires, including the message of God. You know, there are some people who come to church and they want to dictate what they want to hear. It's a generation of do you. So now he had 400 prophets. 400 who were prophesying, go to war. Says, in fact, one, Zedekiah, made um, um, horns and said... <laughs> You have to read that. Have you read First Kings before? He says he made horns. He demonstrated prophetically, dramatically. He says this is how the Lord will, <laughs> will destroy your enemies. And now, see what's happening to a reprobate mind. Is that continuously, he has been sinning. He asked for mercy, or he was humble. But then there was no repentance. There was no repentance and he was still doing him. And you see, forgiveness is not all there is. Praise God. Because then after forgiveness, do you repent? Because that was his issue. No repentance. And repentance means you change your mind. You change your heart. You're looking somewhere else. So he goes and he has 400 prophets. And everybody was prophesying, go to war, go to war, go to war. And now that's a person who cannot endure sound doctrine. Remember we were talking about it? Now, he can't endure the word of the Lord because now he looks at all of them, then he brings another king to join him. He says, okay, we're going to fight together. And then the king said, well, all your 400 prophets are telling you the same thing. Go to war, go to war. He says, do you not have another person that can say something different? He says, oh, I know a man of God, but I hate him because he never says anything good concerning me. But you see that everyone has been saying something good concerning him, telling him to do him. Do you? 
You see, they've been lying. And in fact, in fact, this is what happens to a reprobate mind. Is that something you were doing, or something the reprobate mind was doing normally by himself. So if he continues, then he later gets spiritual help, whether he likes it or not. Praise God. Now that's the chemistry of addiction. The person was just doing it before. One stick, two sticks, three sticks. Then science tells you that there's just something. No, a spirit comes and, and helps you more. Like, ah, let's do this. Why, why one? <laughs> so now there was the council in heaven. And I, I've explained to us when we started teaching the word last semester, basics and more, that the evil spirit was not from God. There's no evil spirit from God. Now, it's, it's worthy of note. I, I say this again. Because the Bible, you will see that it says that um, a lying spirit from the Lord. And we know that the Lord promised by oath, by promise and oath, and by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. Let God be true and all men liars. And so it will be an issue of interpretation from the Old Testament. You know, because they didn't have that much knowledge. In fact, until Jesus came, nobody was casting out devils. So if someone had a devil, they'll say it's a spirit from God. Praise God. Do you understand me? So it's when they said an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. God is good. Yes? So there's no evil in God. So it's a demon, but it's not from God. Praise God. Do you understand me? So the same thing now, it's narrated here. Then, then a lying spirit came and said, this is what we'll do. It says, we'll go into all his prophets and deceive him. Now, why are they deceiving him? It's because he needed help. I mean, he was just on his own before, just doing it normally. And then he needed utter destruction. And then spirits will come to help him. And you see the sovereignty or the goodness of God is that God still sent his prophet to tell him the truth again. He says, don't go to war. But before he even says that, this guy, uh, he says, okay, call, call Micaiah the prophet. So Micaiah comes and he says, tell us now what will happen. So Micaiah says, well, go to war and you'll win. <laughs> and you see this king, they wanted the truth, yes? But he told him what he liked. Now that's a man that will get destroyed because he has always neglected the word of God. So he says, haven't I said, don't lie to me, whatever God tells you, tell me. Then Micaiah told him that, look, if you go to war, you're going to lose. Then it becomes a problem. He told him what he wanted to hear. He was angry. He told him the truth. He was angry. You know what happened? He went to war, and that was the end of his lineage. Praise God. Now that's sad, yes? It's not sad. <laughs> Have you been with me? Have you been listening to what I'm saying? So, but he went to war. He did what he liked. And it's that generation of people putting or heaping upon themselves teachers, for they will not endure sound doctrines. They have itching ears. There's a kind of message they want to hear. There's a kind of church they want to be in. There's a kind of gospel they want. If it's not looking fresh, if it's not looking fly, I mean, why are we going to church and they're telling us to stop sleeping? <laughs> because some of you are sleeping now. <laughs> this is the message of the Lord. Wake up! 
You know, he says, oh, there's no fun in that church. What, what do you want fun for in church? I mean, you go Monday to Friday doing everything you like. Then on Sunday, two hours, you want to have fun again. What's wrong with you? <laughs> From Monday to Friday, you're all around doing whatever you like. Then in church, they come on Sunday and it's Bible study. And you're like, oh, they talk the Bible too much in this church. Well, what else should we do? Should we bring PS5? <laughs> Somebody say, huh? <laughs> Prayer unity, you better see that person. But you see the problem. So consistently, he was looking for who will tell him the things he wanted to hear. But not everything that sounds good to you is true. Not everything that sounds good is good. Now, there's a way that seemed right unto a man, but what the end thereof is destruction. Now, because he's been having his way, and you know, sometimes there's, there's a gospel that teaches you that godliness is gain, such that when you're making it, you know, I mean, you're just, maybe you're living in sin, you're doing whatever you like, and then you're getting results, and you're like, ah, it's God now, you know? There are people like that. Says where well, if 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 for example you see someone releases a music video, yeah, and the music video is is full of profanities, is full of every kind of trash, and then he wins an award, then he comes out and says, "I just want to thank God," <laughs> and he's serious. I'm dedicating this to God, if not for God. He brought me from the backside to the front side. And then if a Christian talks, they say, don't judge. If, if you're that kind of believer. All right, let's get back to it. And sometimes those guys even go to church. They show you a word to your man of God, then they bless you. <laughs> a generation wanting what they like. But then the gospel is not totally about what you like. It's about the one who created you. And to live according to his will, his plans and purposes. And so every time if you hear a message that doesn't prick you, in fact, when the gospel was first preached after, after the baptism or after the infilling of the Holy Ghost, it says, and they were pricked to their heart. Of course, there are sometimes you hear, and yes, it's the word of prophecy, then you are edified, you're happy, you're joyful. But then there are some other times the message pricks you. It tells you to repent. It tells you to change. It tells you that not everything that glitters is gold. Not everything that looks good is all right for you. It says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. So you, you are not a believer that's in that do you category. No, you are, a regiment, you, are, you are in the army, you are enlisted in the army of God, and you live by a set of rules. And that's how you're going to turn out good in the faith. Well, if you have another way to go, then that's okay with you. But let me tell you from this puppy, that's not okay, really. But then there's a way to go in the faith. There's a way to come to the realization of all what God has made you to be. There's a way to peace. 
In this world, Jesus said, you have troubles. But he says, my peace I give to you. He says, my peace I leave with you. He says, you have my peace. That's the same thing that happened in Jerusalem. Peace from the beginning of the world. Peace from the beginning for that city. Peace in their prophetic destiny. But then it became a marketplace. Many things were going on and they were accepting many things. Tossed around by every wave of doctrine. Not being able to endure. To turn out good in your faith, you've got to endure sound teaching. Have you listened to the message some days and <laughs> you're like, man, why did I come? You know, one day I was, I was listening to pastor. I, I was still telling him this one day. I was dressing up. I was putting on my tie. I think, was I putting on my tie? Pastor said, some of you think it's about tie. I said, hey. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. I said, pastor touched everything. He touched my tie. You're listening to a message. I remember this one. It actually happened to me. I mean, I, I was meant to fast, but I was really tired. And rightly so. And then, <laughs> person is an apostle. He says, he says, since you've been eating food, says, have you gotten an award? <laughs> so I, I turned off my laptop. <laughs> I said, no, not today, because this, this beast, I'll cook it and I'll, <laughs> I'll eat it. So I can fast tomorrow. But that's the gospel. Actually, I think I went on to fast, you know. But it pained me. It's not always sounding good to you. No, you're not always rejoicing at it. It's the same thing with growth pangs. It's like when a baby is growing, you know, he's starting to walk. Everybody is happy. He's happy too at some point. But when he falls, he cries. But then that's part of the growth process. There's a time everything he's doing is cute. But at some point, he does that again and they can him. But that's part of the process. Because he's going to turn out a good person later on. Praise God. Are you getting blessed? What are we talking about? Strongholds. And you see, there's a pure stream of the word of God. It's only learned in church. It's not learned on Twitter. It's not learned on YouTube. Because, yeah, there are great messages on YouTube. But you know, you've got to be part of a local assembly. That's what church is. Because you don't know what's going on there. You know, they just give you a message. You hear, you're happy. But you don't know the training going on behind the scenes. It's like for anybody watching us online, all you see is, is the worship session. You don't see when we talk to the leaders and tell them, no, what you're doing is wrong. You don't see when the choir, they were talking to themselves and say, no, that's not how to go about it. But you just enjoy a nice service. You don't see when pastor talks to us and tells us, no, that's not how to do. This is how to go about it. And that's what we forge you. That's what we make you the right Christian and the right person for any kind of situation. But you've got to build now. Praise God. Can we be on our feet? You've got to build now. The pure stream of the message is in the church, being part of the church. And at least to everybody, if you've been attending church for the past maybe three months or four months, then you should be in the workforce. You should actually join. Praise God. Because that's what it means to be part of a local assembly. You should serve and be served. For example, everything that happened in church today is not, it didn't just, imagine all of us just came here too. 
So the same way you walked in, and we all walked in. Then we're not going to have church, but then there's someone preparing a message, there's someone rehearsing and practicing how to sing, there's a prayer group praying somewhere. So that's how you serve. And that's how you grow and you are discipled. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you blessed this morning? Yes, Lord. Will you lift up your hands and say, Father, we thank you.